Hello, my friends. I'm curious to know how many of you have a leadership pipeline. We know that great leaders grow companies because we talk to them here on the show every day. But what are you doing to create great leaders within yours? If you're a CTO, it is 100% your responsibility to grow and improve your people beyond just their coding abilities. We've built a tool that improves your people in their craft and in leadership. Visit leaderbits.io to learn more. Today we are talking to Prashant, the head of engineering at Asana, and we discuss the importance of setting context as a leader, structuring engineering teams to ensure speed with a high degree of quality, and how Asana's all-hands events help shape their company culture. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Well, speaking of nice setups, man, Asana is unbelievably gorgeous. Thank you. Yeah, we work hard at it. Uh, we have a new team room going up. So we've been uh, thinking about, so we have an open space, um, which is, doesn't work for everyone. But so we want some team rooms. We want to try out a few different things um, to, to make teams the most efficient they can be. Yeah, I... Yeah. I loved going and visiting the office. You had the big, beautiful sign. You're very proud of that because that's the, the new area, right? Yeah. And I thought the, the Burning Man object, I, can, you, can you tell me that again? Um, yeah, so uh, Dustin Moskowitz, who was our CEO, has been going to Burning Man for, uh, I don't know, decades now. And uh, he has this really cool piece of art uh, called the Hive which is this hexagonal object that you can climb into and hang off from. Um, and uh, it has no nuts, no boards. You can flat pack it completely and kind of put it together. And it's been, um, it's a piece of art that sits, that has sat in many different places in Asana over the years as we've expanded. Uh, and uh, it's, it's really become a cultural symbol. And it's, it's cool uh, looking. It it's like, it's beautiful, yeah. right? And then it could probably fit, depending on, you know, what type of people you got. It could probably fit 10, 15 people climbing all over it, right? Uh, maybe. Maybe maybe small people. Smaller? Maybe my kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. You know what? That's funny because I, I have my little 10-month-old running around, so you could yeah. fit like 20 of them. But <laughs> yeah, Definitely. 30, 30, 10-month-olds. Um, yeah, but it's also a cool piece of engineering. So it's kind of fits the... It's beautiful. We are building a beautiful product. Uh, it's a piece of engineering, which we care deeply about. Um, so yeah, it, it fits with the Sana culture pretty well. And then maybe next year you will do Mega Hive, which will fit 10 or 15 people. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Slash portable house, right? Sure. <laughs> so what are, what are you up to today? Like, how is your day looking like as, as the CTO of Asana? Yeah, actually, let's, let's start with a couple of things. So what Asana is and then mm -hmm. what I do here. So Asana helps teams work together effortlessly. And so we're building a SaaS product that uh, helps teams do exactly that. They, we uh, allow people to have in one place who is doing what by when. And... Uh, even used in the most simple way, that adds a lot of clarity to what teams do. 
my role as uh, the person who leads engineering is to make sure that the engineering team is thriving and uh, we build the best product as fast as possible. Um, so that, that's my role. And what that means day to day changes. Right now, we are heading into something we call Roadmap Week, where we decide for the next six months what each team will be doing. So essentially, in this season of uh, three weeks before Roadmap Week, a lot of my conversations with teams are, how are we going to configure teams? What are the highest priorities? What advice and context can I bring? Given that I have a view of more of the teams and more of the business priorities than uh, somebody working on an individual project, what is that advice and what's the context that I can bring that helps them decide what they're working on? Um, so a lot of conversations. And we have our investor from our last round, Generation Capital, coming in for a talk today. So I'll be going to that. I'm really excited about them telling us why they invested and why they see a bright future for Sana. And then we'll have a Q&A uh, where we'll answer some questions from the team. So what's going on? I, I love that. That's, that's really, really smart. The way you're bringing in the investors to talk about that, it gets everybody pumped up and, and it allows everyone to just take a, a look back at, at what they're doing. Do you often have people come in and talk? So we, uh, we try to balance it because all hands are really expensive. If you think about it, it's, uh, yeah. it's, 300, it's, pers it's 300 person company. So even a one hour all hands is 300 hours of human effort uh, applied towards it. And that can be really powerful if you use it for the right conversations. Uh, so we've spread them out. We, we do an all hands once every six weeks or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and we use it for all kinds of things. So we do show and tells where each team has an opportunity to show off what they've been doing recently. Uh, and that's all always extremely energizing. Uh, we have things like um, Ellen Pau or Eric Ries, uh, people with a perspective that we care deeply about, uh, whether it be how to build a lean startup or how to really do diversity in uh, in the tech world speakers of that sort uh, which will resonate with everyone in the company uh, and and give direction to us that's that's the kind of person uh, we'd love to have and and we bring them in uh, once in a while but as i said it's a balance we there's a lot of talks which would be really useful but if we were doing them weekly we'd probably think it's uh, we are spending a lot of time doing that no i really like i mean that life life's a balance right yeah so i you have a, a long history in technology and so this isn't your your first go around at, at being a part of a technology company or being a technology leader you were at ibm and then amazon and then now asana can you tell me a little bit about how you got started and the progression of your career Sure. Yeah. So uh, there's definitely not been a grand plan, which has led to, to my um, current role. Uh, I really enjoy my current role, which is uh, broad and, and leading an organization, which has people working on infrastructure and mobile and web product uh, and data science. So it's, uh, it's really broad people doing a lot of different things. But what has led up to this is I started off as a researcher at uh, IBM. Uh, where I worked on what you would think of as the lowest levels of the tech stack. So everything from disk drives and how to 
how to get IOs out of them as quickly as possible. So I was, I was thinking in microsecond and how to yeah. optimize things at that, at that uh, scale of time. And then doing databases and file systems uh, at that layer and, and uh, uh, thinking about how to make applications more efficient. And uh, I learned a lot about technology and how to think of what the future will look like and writing, really thinking about how the things we were building now and how the speed of data that we were gathering would actually change the, in the next 10 years. So really long-term thinking, learned a lot about that, but also learned a lot that thinking and building prototypes is not the fastest way to innovation, which is what I was doing at IBM. So I had a real itch to ship things quickly because I wasn't shipping things quickly for a while. So I, I jumped from there to a startup uh, and uh, that was a huge culture shock and huge learning experience. Uh, and we were doing video advertising. So I, I did everything from JavaScript, CSS, mobile SDKs. So I was more of a technical leader and then over time, we realized, oh, we also need a people manager. So I took on that, that role. It was kind of a crazy startup experience, which a bunch of people who, who, who take on leadership in the Valley, it, it ends up being something like that, chaotic, uh, and you're trying to build some purpose within that chaos. So that was, again, uh, learned a lot of lessons, how to do things, how to not do things. Um, <laughs> uh, then went to Amazon, and there... Help build DynamoDB, which is a NoSQL database service. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's exciting. Everybody <laughs> loves that. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, uh, I hope everybody loves uh, DynamoDB. It is what AWS is built on. So a really core and important piece of technology to a core and important piece of technology, right? So it is kind of the base of the base of what everybody is building on now. So proud of that. And the thing I learned there was uh, operational excellence. Uh, not just, it's not just about building software. The way we are moving, the way our industry is moving is uh, software as a service. Nobody wants to install your software. You have to build software and operate it. It's, it's uh, the yin and yang. You have to do both of those things really well to provide something valuable to customers. And that's at least my view of the world is that's what I want to work. That's the kind of company I want to be part of is where you are building and operating software. That would be actually my advice to technology leaders and people who aspire to this is think about that. Think about where the industry is going and not, not think in silos of just building or just operating, but the whole life cycle. I really like your culture. So from the yeah. moment I walked in building yeah. and as you gave me the tour and as I got to speak to you and it's so different, you know, speaking to someone in person, it's so amazing because you get to pick up on who they are, right? And from, from the dinner, right, that you explained to me that they were having the dinner and coming up and just everything about it, the, the culture at Asana, the first question is, selfishly, do you have any materials? Like Netflix has their deck, their famous you know, deck that they put out that explains about different types of culture and things there. Do, does Asana produce any materials? Because I've, I've talked to about 30 people since our meeting in person. Yeah. And I keep saying culture at Asana, culture at Asana. And then they're like, well, what do you, do you have resources? I'm like, I don't know. I'm talking to Prashant in a couple of weeks. So I'll ask. Yeah. Um, so uh, if, if you go to Wavelength, which is a, a, a magazine that we put out, 
um, you'll see a lot, not just from Asana, but what we think is the best things going on in the industry. So if you think about Asana and our mission to help teams work more effortlessly, a key part of that is actually building the best in class know-how on how, to, how teams operate. Uh, so we're not just building the operating system uh, for companies, but we are also collecting information of how to do well. So Wavelength is just a great resource. Uh, just look for Wavelength Asana and you should, you should find it. Awesome. Uh, that's a continuing resource. But if you want to look at our uh, core values, just search Asana values. And we have a page talking about uh, the core things that uh, inspire us uh, and, and we aspire to. And also Asana Eng, uh, engineering values is a, another place where from the engineering team's point of view, uh, we talk about it's, it's a list of five or six things that we really uh, focus on as being the key to being a good engineer and being a good engineering organization. Excellent. Yeah, it's like item one, ship code. <laughs> uh, sh ship fast sustainably is really is uh, because it's, yeah, I, I, I believe shipping fast is, uh, but that's, that's on the, that's on the list. Yeah. I just was joking. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That should be on the list. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what we do. The, the purpose of an engineering organization is to build the product, right? And when you're a SaaS company, that doesn't just mean the surface area of the product, but everything down, down to infrastructure is part of what you are, are delivering. Uh, and the experience, which is not just the user experience, but security, uh, reliability, performance, all of these are things you're building, right? And we need to keep improving not just the product, but all aspects of the product continually. And we're not sprinting and, and, and judging our speed on a one-month basis. We are, we are building a company for the long term. So how do we set up the systems which will allow us to not just ship fast today, but look at the volume of what we've produced over the next two years. And we're trying to maximize that, not what we ship tomorrow. I love it. You're focused on the long-term, not the short-term. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, short-term and the long-term, not just yeah. the long-term. <laughs> so we're back to balance again. <laughs> yeah, ba balance is actually one of the uh, Asana core values. So, is it? Yeah, that's honestly, so I'm in my early thirties now and I would say something happened about like 25, 26 or four or five years ago. And this idea of balance, it was like this rotate orbiting thing in my life where it would just come up and be like balance, mm -hmm. like every, every couple of weeks balance. And then I realized this is, this is an art to master for life. Like it's something that you don't complete it's a continuous learning and growth track that you must have around you at all times. Yeah, I think it's a, for a lot of decisions. Um, I think we have this uh, fallacy in terms of how we think of it, that it's a dichotomy of this or this. And the truth usually is that you can get aspects of this and this. You can get all the way here or all the way here. You could, but that's probably not the right way to solve the problem. You want to figure out where in the middle of those things, and it could be very close to the site. It doesn't have to be. Balance doesn't mean being in the middle. Balance just means considering what is good about this and this and how you can get as much 
uh, possible from both of these. You, you just made a point that gave me chills because I, I know it inside, but the way you articulated it was poetic. Balance does not mean centered, right? right? Like that is, that is a misconception. Like in your, people believe that by default. Oh, to me, balance means you got to go back to the center, right? But you are, that is, that is so true. Everything is a, this, this, I call it a spectrum, right? And you, I, I love what you said too, because that is a truth I have found in life. If you find yourself rapidly sliding across the spectrum and bouncing like from one heart into the other, that's, a, that's probably not, there's something going on there. To be aware of where both ends are and to see the gradient and to be able to adjust yourself and place yourself exactly where you need to be or a team or whatever it is, that is, is an awareness that is very valuable in life. Yeah, and uh, uh, you learn and then you apply it and then you get opportunities to learn it again. <laughs> so we, uh, we've always had this value, but uh, we, we built a huge piece of framework called, called Luna, which was uh, when the company started, uh, which was this uh, front-end to back-end JavaScript all the way co-simulation going on. So basically the server figures out the data to send to the client by actually running the code that runs in the client. Very, very forward thinking, functional reactive programming framework that we built. And over time, and we invested a lot in it, and over time, as the industry matured and open source emerged with solved pieces of the problem, we realized that that wasn't the best path even for shipping fast sustainably. And so we had to swing the pendulum to the side of instead of working on trying to work on the framework and features in a balanced way all the time, what we're going to do is actually focus on doing this massive rewrite. And we are going to focus on the framework. Uh, we are still going to write, dedicate some energy to the surface area of the product, but a lot of the work will be unbalanced, and, and, but, but a conscious, intentional decision to put a lot of energy into creating a new framework, which would help us ship fast sustainably for the long term. So we built something called Luna 2, uh, the most creative thing we could think yeah. of. <laughs> I love it. Uh, it works. Yeah. And uh, it, it's amazing. It uses uh, React. It uses TypeScript for the front end. It uses some degree of our special sauce because for our product, we there are some things that we... Uh, need to do that are just special to us. It doesn't make sense for that to be broadly used open source. And then we built out the backend because nothing that exists in the open source world kind of matched what we needed. So we did a balance again of using as much open source as we can, using AWS for a lot of the layers in the backend, but then building our own custom thing uh, on, on the back as well. When I was when I was leaving, right, I was going down the elevator, and I got in the elevator with this awesome engineer, and she was telling me about how she learned programming with her brother, right? Mm -hmm. And then it was, she had learned it in another language, but then when she came to Asana, you actually saw that she was good at, at programming, but she had then you trained her on TypeScript. Yeah. So she didn't know TypeScript going in, but she had you know she was a programmer, and then you guys train, do you do that a lot? Uh, yeah, so we, uh, we definitely don't think of uh, any specific language or any specific technology as being essential to being an engineer at Asana. Um, we think there are a core set of skills 
which include understanding of computer science and computer systems that are really useful for being a good software engineer. Uh, knowing about the web stack is really useful uh, because uh, shipping installed software versus shipping uh, software on the web is are different uh, beasts. And so the more you know uh, about creating web software, the, the faster you'll be. But, and all those are nice to have. Uh, but if you've really uh, thought broadly about what you're learning, even if you're learning something that will not get directly used at Asana, if you've thought about it in a curious way and learned the patterns, we absolutely think of that as a transferable skill. So TypeScript is not popular enough that a lot of people know it coming in, but if you understand typed languages and you understand web technology, it's, it's not hard to learn. Uh, so anybody coming into a new job is gonna learn some stuff and we devote a lot of energy to mentoring and teaching and it pays off very, very quickly, so yeah. I get asked a lot about peers. So for the C-level, this is, excuse me, this is the part of the audience that probably about 20, 30% of the audience that's very similar in your shoes with a similar size company and similar size responsibilities. And they, they say when I, when I reach out and talk with them about the things that they want to hear most about that are least discussed is what the relationships look like and anything that comes to mind as far as advice when interacting with your other C-level peers? Yeah, so uh, good question. I, I think one of the important things to realize um, in, in a lot of, um, for a lot of roles in engineering management, not just for if you're leading, um, uh, leading engineering, is figure out what kind of what the loneliness level of the role is and a lot of leadership roles end up being lonely in the sense that you are making decisions and the work you're doing is not common work that everyone has the same shared context on. When you're thinking about career pathing for the group of people who uh, you are the manager for, you can get some advice about it, but you're not getting, not all people, you don't have a, team that has as much context as you on that problem. Whereas if right. you're working on a uh, building a particular feature, you're working with a PM, a designer, and other engineers who are all kind of trying to figure it out together. So definitely just as, as soon as you do management, you're doing something that is somewhat lonelier. So the important thing is to figure out, yeah, what are my various peer groups and how can I get support? Uh, so one thing that we, um, we did, uh, I think a couple of years ago, was, was uh, define something called the company planning team at Asana, uh, which is uh, the head of business, uh, the CEO, uh, the head of uh, design, uh, JR, our uh, other co-founder, head of people ops and our CFO. And that's just a small group that meets uh, regularly, maybe uh, twice a month on average. And uh, it's, a, it's an important place to connect and just talk about how are we doing as a company? What are the important topics that are coming up? And uh, we, we did something called a talent review where we just went over who our reports are, how they're doing, and just talking through what are the best ways to help this team and develop these people 
And it's just so comforting to talk about it with a group of people who are really supportive and who you've built trust with over time because you've talked to them where the stakes are lower. And so when the stakes are lower, when you develop that relationship, it's easier to have those high stakes conversations. So that's been an incredible tool for me. We hired a head of uh, people ops who, who uh, started this. And at the beginning, I was like, oh, another meeting on my calendar. But over time, I've realized the great value that, that it adds. But that's not the only peer group that you should be building as a leader uh, of, uh, of engineering teams. We have something else called the Eng Managers Board, uh, which meets once every six weeks, I believe, is the cadence. That's every single eng manager at Asana for now. Uh, and uh, that's getting, getting to be a large team. But the main goal of that is, again, to create that uh, set of peers, that community, where you can look around and you're like, oh, your, your job is similar to my job. And we can talk about things like, what do people care about? What do you do about... When people are in a tech lead role, how do we give, uh, how do I as their manager give them the right guidance? Are we, uh, are we doing compensation right? How are we thinking about recruiting? And how should each manager be contributing to report, uh, recruiting? And how should every engineer be contributing to recruiting? Because as, as, uh, as an engineering organization, which is trying to hire the highest caliber engineers, if you don't have everybody engaged in that, that's an incredibly hard problem to solve. Yeah, you have recruiting. I see this at companies all the time. You have recruiting over here, sitting next to like HR people ops or whatever, whatever the name is. And then they're reaching out and they're usually not incredible. Like they're not like full-time developers, right? Because they're recruiting. Yeah. And then you have the developers sitting in these groups and meetups and these peer groups sitting right next to recruitable people. They're just like, yeah, we're going to sell them. It's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, how do you, you, you know, make it so that they are aware of, of like how to pull other great people into, or that even communicating or transmitting the fact that there's a need, just keeping right. that front of mind that, Hey, we're always looking for great people at Asana. That way it's, it's on their mind as a topic of conversation when they're in their, in their peer group. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I think, uh, in, in general advice for leaders is, uh, your job is to always set context and as an engineering leader, your job is to always remind people how important recruiting is to your organization. It is. And right, uh, right now for Asana, given the rate at which the business is growing and our need to get more engineers to solve all the problems that our customers need us to solve. Uh, this is a message from the CEO that, Every week, every, every all hands, every opportunity we get, we talk about, hey, recruiting is the most important thing we are doing as it's the number one priority. It's a P0 bug right now. Let's figure it out how to get um, more people here, how to get them successful as quickly as possible, how to build more product quickly. Uh, it's, it's P0. Let's, let's get this done. So uh, reminding that, but also then uh, having one-on-one -on -one conversations about what does that mean? Just knowing that something is important doesn't mean you can solve the problem. You can talk concretely about what is it that you can be doing to help with this. And there's a lot of things that uh, engineers could be doing. They could be doing outreach. They could just be using uh, every opportunity they have where they meet people socially or in uh, technical groups to pitch and just authentically communicate how they enjoy working at Asana. 
and uh, use that. That's um, that's a pitch that works. If you see someone who really yeah. enjoys their job, you're like, wow, maybe I want to work there. And uh, so we have a phrase called uh, hashtag ABR, always be recruiting. <laughs> it's, it's a meme at Asana. All, uh, everybody has heard it. Everybody knows what it means. And uh, we, we have people we hired because somebody met them on a shared lift ride. So yeah, people really believe it. That's awesome. Well, as a growing company, one of the things you need most of is a lot of great people. Yeah. Right. So yeah. teaching your people how to do that is very important. I read your article about the five whys. Sure. Right. And so I really, I really enjoyed uh, how you, your problem solving methodology, right? And it's a bit, and I actually just noticed too, uh, here in the notes, it's actually on wavelength.asana.com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I read it, you know, shortly after we met, but then I noticed here that it's actually on wavelength and you mentioned that. So could you give a brief high level, I'm not going to quiz you on, on the exact step-by-step -step ways, but the high level overview of the five whys to, to get to the root of any problem? Yeah, so uh, I think if you up-level from that, the important thing is creating space for reflection. Good things happen, bad things happen, and uh, you can either go about just let, treating them as, as chance and, and moving forward, or you can set up time to reflect and say, why did the things happen the way they happened, and what can we learn from this? And if you have that learning mindset and if you, are, if you believe in continuous improvement, then you will continuously improve. And at Asana, we do that through a variety of ways. So I talked about Roadmap Week, which is creating the space to reflect back on the previous episode, the previous six months, and also set the agenda for the next six months. And Five Wise is another such exercise, which is basically if a fault happens, and it could be anything, it could be we had a candidate who was really engaged, decline an offer, that's a, that's a good thing to just sit back, relax, talk about why that could be, what are the reasons, and what could we learn from this. If you had the site go down, that's, the, that's an obvious place where you're going to run a five eyes and understand. And, and five eyes, is, the idea is pretty simple. It's uh, start with the top level why of why did our customers why were our customers not able to access the website between 4.45 p.m. and 5 p.m. yesterday? And you're like, okay, the answer to that question is uh, our web servers uh, crawled to a halt, and so they were taking enough time that web servers were timing out, and then you could say why again and dig deeper. Uh, there's obviously a fallacy here that there is a single root cause for the problem where reality is a lot more complex. So the important thing to remember is, uh, is we are using this as a reflection tool. And the important thing is to kind of go broad and then identify action items and have an open mindset about what possible action items could be. And, and so you use the five wires and you explore some branches of what the reasons are. And then you identify action items. And then the next step is to actually figure out, are we going to do any of these actions? Just because you identify ways you could avoid this problem doesn't mean that, and the fact that you had the problem doesn't mean that you should do all of them or you should schedule all of them. They go into a prioritization mechanism out of which you might do the two most leveraged things that came out of this discussion. Um, and, but you log all of this in Asana 
Uh, and uh, so if, if a problem happens again and you identify the same action item, you actually now say, okay, we've talked about this three times that we should maybe do this action item. The priority of this is probably higher than before when we said we'll punt on this. And so let's do it this time. Um, so really the, the goal is to improve. The way we do that is through reflection and five wise is one mechanism for the reflection. Now who can call like a five wise? Like who can a, a team, teams can do it themselves? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's how it gets used. It's not, it's not, the worst thing would be for it to be a top-down driven mandate oh, yeah. of you should run a five wise on that. The idea yeah. is here's a tool, we'll teach you how to use it well uh, when you join the company and uh, you should use it. And a, a lot of times it, it feels too heavyweight. So you should, you don't need to call a four person meeting to do it. You can do it by yourself and then you can document that for a small call. Just say, this is how I reflected. This is what I learned. Here it is. Uh, and I use the five eyes for that or not. Uh, we also have <coughs> a centralized repository of uh, five wise notes, which uh, people follow and so you can learn from what other people learn from so I see things come in there from engineering from recruiting from sales when people run five wise it all goes into the central place where you can other people can choose to read it and learn from it this isn't a core feature of Asana is it, uh, it it's extremely easy to use Asana to run five wise to have people get notified when new things get added to the, the project called Five Wise Notes. So it is not a core feature, but Asana is an extremely flexible tool, uh, which has a lot of structured information. So it's easy to set up processes of various kinds in Asana, including Five Wise Notes. You set up processes? Yes, yeah, to set, set up processes, yeah. Oh, I didn't know about this. Tell me. I want to make sure I understand Asana, right? So you can, you can set up like processes, like company processes? Uh, yeah, it's a good way to just document that this is a template. Every time we do process X, it means identify, identify participants, right? Mm -hmm. Schedule a meeting, uh, take notes. All of there's a five wise template task that has a list of things that every five wise should do. And you can complete the ones that you that don't apply to this particular situation. And then when you want to run a five wise, you just copy that template into a new project and assign it to the right people. And then you can use it as a uh, rinse and repeat. For, That's awesome. Uh, and yeah, this is used uh, at very, very large scales by our customers for, uh, if you want to launch in a new city, there are thousand task templates for every time you launch a new service in a new city, you're just going to copy that and, and use that. And that's, that, that ends up being a core value that Asana adds is you don't miss anything. Everything is documented about how this will happen. Wow. It's almost like a, maybe this is just because my recent, you're always um, influenced by your recent environment, but I've been doing a lot with like system and business processes, reading this book called The E-Myth e Revisited. Sure. And have you read that? I have, I have not. Okay. I suggest it. Okay. Uh, the premise is this company has been helping in business for 30 plus years. And all they do is help business owners like a girl that would own a pie shop, right? That's one of the long running stories in the book, which is why it comes to mind. 
teaching her how to go from being the pie baker to owning the, the pie baking process and the scaling and the duplication of the pie bakeries so that she's working on her business, not in her business. And the analogies, everything going through, like it just really relates to me from how I've scaled my career uh, as a technologist, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I forgot my train of thought because I was so excited about that book. But what did, you, what did, you, what did we say before? Uh, we're talking about processes and how companies use it. Yes. But the pie baking thing, I mean, we have one of the customers we learned so much from and we're proud of serving is a company called Weissman. Uh, it's a German company, 100-year-old, 11,000-plus people. And uh, they're going through this digital transformation and Asana is kind of becoming the core DNA of the company and the way to set up repeatable processes uh, using a digital tool. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I live for is, uh, is building a tool that really helps businesses change and, and uh, takes away a lot of the work about work that they used to do and not do well sometimes and to do just being able to do it consistently and well every single time they do it. That's interesting. I, I like that because I didn't get that from, that's very, this is a very, I might use Asana for this. <laughs> well, we have, we have this, we have like, uh, obviously a lot of repeatable processes and I've been looking for a, a tool because we know that when we go into a new vertical, like for example, we've got this whole leader bits thing that we're doing, yeah. right? And so we uh, guessed a couple markets where we might enter, whether it's like heads of learning or HRIT or CTOs, like going directly to the CTO or going, getting and uh, advertising to an engineer and getting them to bring us in and take us up. So we had these like four or five ways and our deployment process to reach out to them was, was very similar, but to be able to processize that so I can scale it is what I've been looking at something more than just putting them in a Google Doc, right? Yeah. And, and you just explained that Asana might be very valuable for that for me. I'm going to take a look at that. After the call. Yeah, no, uh, for leader bits, but also for a podcast. I assume that there is a playbook for this is what we need to do. Make sure that your fancy Yeti mic is working, for example. Uh, and, and you can put this into a template project. And Jake can have be a signee of a task and uh, Joel can be an assignee of a task. And when you're doing a new podcast, just copy that over. Depending on the location and whether it's in person, things will change. But it can all be in one place. And you can know who is doing what by when by just going through this one time, setting all, it, all of it up. And then the people who are responsible will just know who's doing what. I really like that. I really do. It would be very beneficial if we decided to become a podcast company and like did podcast. <laughs> we have we have a lot. The podcast is something that we 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 have we have process ties, but with spreadsheets because of the fact that there's just one of us. Like we only yeah. do one podcast, mm -hmm. and so we all have the spreadsheets, and we go through and and do our essentially like our go live checklist, right? Of of every single podcast, and then the editing sheet too. We have every. You'd be surprised. There's like. 15 things that happen to a podcast between the time it's recorded and the time it's produced. And then there's another 30 things that happen to actually publish it to all our networks, micro content clips get created. There, there is a lot of stuff that happens in the podcast. Yeah. That's uh, that's what you realize that when you want to do things well, 
there is a lot of detail and when there's a lot of detail humans are uh, very good at forgetting those details so there's this uh, fantastic book called the checklist manifesto Ooh. which uh, i'd recommend uh, to to your audience and and to you of the power of just having a checklist which you go through for and it's it's written about the medical profession and what happens when somebody comes into an er and just making sure that uh, are, are you amputating the right uh, the right organ? <laughs> Not the wrong one. <laughs> Just having a, uh, make sure that you look at this document to to know and make sure you compare the uh, armband to um, the actual procedure. Is, is is things that if you miss one of those, it's like, oops, uh, huge problems. It's very important. Yeah, I've been, I spoke to an embedded systems designer and he was telling me how he mentors kids and in like the high school, middle school on embedded systems. And he goes, cause I just, one day I'm going to be on one of those heart pacemakers or something. And he goes, I just want to make sure there's no like overflow <laughs> and there's no crash. He's like, yeah. so I do my part and I mentor them on best practices with memory usage. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was fantastic. Advice to your past self. Like if you, if you could go back, 10 years and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, just one. <laughs> just one. That's it. Just one. Um, I, I, would, uh, I would keep it simple. I would say uh, understand why you're doing something. Think about why you're excited about a project, company, uh, and, and then throw yourself into it. If you if you understand the motivation, if it if you can really get to the why and say, yeah, that makes sense. Let's just do this. And so, yeah, I don't. Uh, as I said before, it's not uh, a grand plan. Uh, it's it's steps uh, along the way, and uh, for each step, if you if it's intentional and if it is uh, uh, if it is because for a good reason that you understand, it probably turn out well. You know, that's, that's really good advice because this, this week, right, because we've been doing the, the whole approaching the market with LeaderBits and trying different messaging. And then I was, I was thinking, I was hanging out with my wife and we were thinking, I said, you know what, like the why I'm doing this is because of the messages I get like every day from the 60% of the audience that are the next generation asking, you know, how do I level up? How do I do this? How do I do that? If I, if I want to go ahead in my company, do I go spend four years at college on nights and weekends? Or like, what do I do? How do I become more valuable to my company? All those things. And I was over here, you know, being, making it a little more complicated, being the engineering version of myself, like, uh, I need to be making more features or more products or, you know, focused on the technology. And then I remember this quote I heard from somewhere that, that rings in my head from time to time. It's like, it's about the people, right? It's always about the people. It's never about the technology. And then I thought, how could I step back? And what advice would I give myself <laughs> if I were looking at myself from the outside? And I said, you know what? It's, it's not about the, the details of how cool the point system is or the progression. It's not about that. What, it, what it's about is the experience the individual has as they come across and then looking at my product, not looking at my whole company as a product, as something somebody would pick off a shelf, not just the, the little product inside of the product, right? And then when I looked at it like that, it changed everything. And it made my actual software like 
10% of what we do. And then the experience around it and walking that human down that path and the, and the experience around that, everything changed. The whole way we looked at it changed. We went from like being a SaaS product to an annual technology leadership program where we actually walk these in. We have the, the product, the thing that distributes the challenges and all that. But going and saying, hey, challenge, we're going to give everyone challenges. We were tr- Everyone's like, oh, well, let's demo an individual challenge. I'm like, well, they're all 70 different. So you're not going to get a real accurate idea of what the experience is like. And I realized I'm, I'm selling the wrong thing. I'm communicating the wrong thing. What I need to communicate is we take this individual who wants more and we bring them in and we walk them through this program for a year. And throughout the entire thing, every single week, they have progress that's then reported. And, and when, we, when I switched to that, I haven't even really pushed the whole message out to the market fully yet. We're doing it probably next week. But inside, like the inside feeling I got was this is the right track. It, it, it's a better track than before. Yeah. But you can apply this to everything is just up level a little bit and understand yeah. what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right? Yeah, and keep the people in, at the center of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we do it for building everything that we build, whether it be features for customers or why. Why would, why would somebody want to use this? Why are we building this to, to an infrastructure change that we're doing? Why is the, is the important question to understand. And then you've got the tool for the five whys. Sure. Do you show that template publicly by the, like, is that a template with, I, um, I, I think that I, I, yeah, I think that the, uh, sorry, the, uh, the blog post that you have should oh, have, uh, I mean, it has the, a, a picture of it, but yeah, we'd, we'd be happy to share it as well. So does the sauna come with like a library of templates? Like it does. Yeah. Oh, okay. so there, there are both templates to start you off, whether you're doing a marketing process or another process uh, that you get, but also you can create templates mm-hmm. and that anybody within your company can use it. So there are a lot of engineers that listen to the podcast and I've been like super in love with the culture at Asana. If they want to know more and get in touch with you, what, what's your ideal as far as engineer? Like just, I know you mentioned before, you're not super tied to, to language, but if you were just talking right now to all the engineers out in the world and hashtag ABR, what, what would you say? Uh, I think I want all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> all the engineers. Well, I, I think that we definitely, the, the people who thrive here are excited about the challenge that we are building. Uh, and that could take either the form of the mission of helping teams work together more effortlessly, which, is, uh, which resonated with me and that's why I'm here. Uh, but also this problem of building something that is the core operating system for companies uh, and uh, making it both easy to use and extremely rich, which is an extremely hard product challenge, making it secure because people are putting the DNA of the company in there and we need to protect it better than they would be able to protect it uh, on their own systems. Uh, It needs to be high performance because who wants to use the tool for making them work faster when the tool is slow? Uh, It needs to be available whenever they need it. And that's a challenging set of things to do all of the above. So if that's exciting, um, and uh, if you have the skills to build good web software, 
uh, or you think you can pick them up fast, uh, then yeah, by all means, uh, we'd love, we, we are based in San Francisco in New York, is that's where our uh, engineering teams are. Uh, I'd love to hear from uh, more engineers. Yeah, and then how would they go about reaching out? So LinkedIn is a, is a good place where they could uh, just uh, uh, reach out to anyone that they see at Asana, but sending a post, uh, uh, an email to jobs at asana.com is another way that they could just uh, get in touch, send us your profile, and then we'll definitely get back to you. Awesome. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever done that before with a guest. I just, <laughs> when I, when you walk in the office you're just like, this place is, this place is pretty cool. And, and we, we all need great people. So anything I can do, you know, let me know. I'll help in, in any way possible. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Joel. That, that is uh, really uh, gracious of you to allow me to uh, plug Asana on your show. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm uh, you know, team Asana. So Whenever you need any favors or anything, just let me know. And we'll, we'll um, mention what you guys are doing on the show or whatever. And, and we're here for you, man. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, love talking to you. And yeah. uh, all the other stuff is, uh, is cherry on the top. Yeah. <laughs> Have a fantastic day, Prashant. Thank you so much for setting this up. And I'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Modern CTO Podcast. Share this. Get the word out. Thank you guys so much. I couldn't do it without you. I appreciate it. You guys are the absolute best.